It is not good to eat too much honey, nor is it honorable to search out matters that are too deep. Like a city whose walls are broken through is a person who lacks self-control. Proverbs 25, 27 through 28. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness, and to goodness knowledge, and to knowledge self-control, and to self-control perseverance, and to perseverance godliness, and to godliness mutual affection, and to mutual affection love. 2 Peter 1, 5-8 I have the right to do anything, you say, but not everything is beneficial. I have the right to do anything, but I will not be mastered by anything. 1 Corinthians 6.12 For God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power and of love and self-control. 2 Timothy 1.7 Hey, it's Jonathan, and welcome to Epiphany, an audio devotional for all of us on the way to wisdom. In 2009, I walked into a small antique shop in Elk Grove, California. Looking among the trinkets, I found a little book that just kind of stood out to me. It was called The Kingship of Self-Control. It was written by William George Jordan, and it was originally published in 1905. I read the first chapter and immediately, immediately grabbed my attention. And this one line has stayed with me for over a decade. Alexander conquered the whole world, except Alexander. Empire of the earth, he was the servile slave of his own passions. Now check for a second the obvious violent and imperialistic notions of the quote and try to hear the truth in it. Alexander conquered the whole world except Alexander. Empire of the earth, servile slave of his own passions. Because the reality is when we hear a call towards something like self-control, it raises the alarms of our modern sensibilities because we don't want to be controlled by anything. We want freedom. We want freedom to be able to determine our own way. We want freedom to exercise our own will. And that is the premise of not just being enslaved to our own passions, but in much of the violence and imposition that has wreaked havoc on our world. And that is where this conversation of self-control becomes even more vital in our time. I think the reason why Paul lands this list with this call of self-control is because when we have kept in step with the Spirit and cultivated the kind of character that is marked by this fruit, the result, the end result, is the freedom that we actually want, the freedom to determine our own way. But before we can be given that freedom, before we can be trusted with that freedom, we need to go through a process of following Jesus, cultivating character, keeping in step with the Spirit, and becoming the kind of people 
that God can trust with that freedom. This, I think, is something that was lamented by God in the garden. As we read in Genesis, God created humanity to share, not just in the goodness of his world and the goodness of who God was, but also in the determination and the co-creation of their lives. God places the woman and the man in the garden and says, go, do something, whatever you want. Just be fruitful and multiply and good and keep in step with me. Walk with me in the cool of the day. But on the other end of our self-destructive choices, when we choose our own way, when we think of ourselves as being God, this is actually when we need things like control and discipline to make us back into the shape and form where we can be trusted with our own agency. I find it interesting that in Timothy, the thing that's poses the opposite of power and love and self-control is fear. That God did not give us a spirit of fear. And it's probably because fear is the thing that drives us to give in to being controlled by our passions, our desires, our insecurities. It's also fear that drives us to settle for religion when we're invited into a co-partnership and co-creation with God. No matter what our drug of choice is, the thing that drives us into handing over our control either to our own ego or to external forces, our family narratives and pressures or societal cultural scoreboards, it's fear that we won't find the freedom and fulfillment that we long for unless we turn over the power of attorney to our deepest wounds or the messages in our algorithms. And it's this fear, I think, that self-control and discipline is actually inviting us to be free from. The spirit that God has given us is one marked by a power and a love and a self-control. So when Paul says that this is a fruit, an evidence of a life lived with the spirit, a long obedience in the same direction, it's because what God longs for is for our own freedom, just like we do. But God recognizes that in order for that freedom to not wreak havoc on our lives through our destructive choices driven by ego and insecurities, we first need to have our character conformed and transformed into the likeness of Christ. But God longs for the day when he can throw us the keys and say, do what you want to do. Oftentimes I grew up plagued by this fear that I was not in God's will. God's will was this tightrope I had to walk whether it was around career or relationships or choices of where I lived, it was always wondering, is this God's will for my life? There was this extra spiritual pressure around anything that I did being either a yes or no, what God had for me or not. Was there this other alternative version of my life that God was more happy with? And there are some seasons, I think, when you ask God specifically, should I take this job? Should I be in this relationship? Should I move to this place? or whatever it may be. And I think God does actually answer very specifically. The beautiful thing is that we have a God who loves to communicate with us and loves to give us guidance. But as I grew in maturing in my faith and in my life, 
those explicit directives felt fewer and far between. And I had a crisis of faith thinking that that meant I was out of God's will, out of touch with the Spirit, and maybe regressing in my relationship with God. Shouldn't I hear the specific directives more and more? But ultimately, I think it might be the opposite that could be possible. That when you become more mature in Christ and in your relationship with God, you become more trustworthy of determining those choices, owning those responsibilities and those circumstances, the consequences of your actions, no matter what they may be. And while we're plaguing ourselves with, racking ourselves with this question of, God, is this your will? Is this your will? What do you want me to do? All along, God is wanting us to become the kind of people he can trust to say, what do you want to do? Because God never wanted us to be servants, but to be friends, to be partners and co-creators of our lives with God. And this is why this long journey of a life marked by fruit and faithfulness is all to shape us into the people who demonstrate a self-control, but also an agency and a self-determination that is immersed and marked by partnership and love and the power that comes with keeping in step with the Spirit of God. So today, may you experience the freedom of self-control. May your view and understanding and experience of yourself be so high that you see the need for self-control because there's an agency there that needs to be honored, needs to be appreciated and valued for what it is. May you resist the temptations and lies and the forces that would otherwise attempt to control you, whether they be rooted in ego or insecurity cultural pressure, societal scoreboards, or family systems and stories. May the truth set you truly free. The truth that your own passions and your own desires make incredible friends. Your emotions are incredible messengers, but terrible masters. And may you choose the narrow, hard, grueling work and road of discipline, self-limitation, dying to self, so you can find the resurrecting freedom of self-control. May you be good partners in co-creating your life with the Spirit of God, a life that is marked by love, joy, peace, and patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, and the freedom of self-control. Thanks for listening. I'm Jonathan, and this has been Epiphany.